Alright, welcome back everybody to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond and I will be your host once again this evening. It is July 31st, 2014. We've got a great little show for you this week. We're going to be talking with uh, Rick Bryant. Uh, He's doing our new segment uh, called Q-Talk. We get to hear him for the first time this week. He's doing a bit. He'll be talking with uh, David Jacoby of uh, Jacoby Custom Cues out of Wisconsin. Uh, They did a great little uh, segment there. So we'll get to that in a little bit. We're also going to be talking with um, Mark Griffin and Mark Cantrell and Ozzy Reynolds of CSI. And we're going to get to the bottom of uh, the little hiccup that they had in their uh, nationals and their invitational uh, this past week. Apparently there was uh, a little bit of controversy uh, surrounding some decisions that were made there. But before we get into all that, we're going to hear from uh, Scott Lee and Randy G and their one-minute pool instructor segment. And we'll be right back after this. I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. Welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what's on today, Scott? Well, this week we're going to discuss the PBIA instructor program and uh, how many master instructors are out there and what they do. Yeah, so, that's a good question. How many different levels are there Well, becoming an instructor? Well, as you know, that um, the entry level is called a recognized instructor. And Scott, they could be a very good instructor at, at recognized level. I, I know some real good recognized level instructors. Um, and then what's our next step? Certified. Certified. So we can go from recognized to certified within a year. We can qualify. Sure can. The, the PBIA has certain tasks or chores that will allow a, a, a person, an instructor, to go from one rank to the next. So if we've got recognized and we've got certified, what's after that? Well, then we have advanced level. Yeah, and I think that's where most instructors are, are going to get to. I think they should. Absolutely. Um, and once again, I know some great advanced instructors, and I know some advanced instructors who aren't so great. So it's like any other profession, I, I think. Um, you just have to make sure of the background of the, of the instructor. Absolutely. And, and uh, one of the advantages uh, to becoming an advanced level instructor is that now you have the ability to go out and train new instructors yourself. Yeah, that's a, yeah. you can bring an instructor in at a recognized level, can you not, as yes, an advanced you can. instructor? Yes, you can. And that, that uh, then leaves us with the highest level, the fourth level, which is master level instructor. And uh, I know uh, that you were uh, instrumental in the origin of the Master Instructor Program along with Jerry Bryseth, and I I believe you were the first Master Instructor, weren't you? Yes, there were four of us in in, in due. Um, Jerry Bryseth, Richard Rohr, Leslie Rogers, and myself. Mm -hmm. We started that that program and, and started putting down the guidelines and bylaws of the recognized, uh, certified, and advanced. And, and so we were literally 
grandfathered into the program. Mm -hmm. But I actually was a student of Jerry Bryson. As was so, I. And so I always felt that I was as good as most instructors out there just by doing what Jerry did. But the real job of a master instructor is not teaching pool. Right. The, their job is to certify other instructors up the levels. Um, there's a quota that we have to follow um, as a master instructor. Now, granted, a lot of us teach, and then a lot of us teach other instructors, mm -hmm. too. And, and most of my work, Scott, as you well know, is done with other instructors. I'm the um, same way. I have, I have thousands of students who have no desire to ever become an instructor. But when we have instructor programs, instructor meetings, and that, then the master instructors uh, really show their skills. Then. Well, and we, we, we have such a great need for more instructors in the program. We've got the absolute minimum yes. of a couple of million people out there just in the U.S. that want to learn how to play better, understand that they can benefit from lessons and are willing to seek them out if they have the opportunity to take them. And yet we only have, what, uh, less than 300 instructors to serve? Yeah, not even, just a little over 200. My goodness, we, we, we could have uh, 10,000 and it wouldn't be enough. And, so and, we're going to keep trying that. And, and the sadder part about that is there's a probably only 15 master instructors so far who have risen up the ranks. Right. And, and so um, there are, what did you say, 2 million? I bet there's 42 million people out there that, that need help. Right. Um, so a master instructor, and, and of those 15, I think 10 of them have come out of our school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud of that, you know, and I know what they teach. But the other master instructors have their own criteria, and they do their own uh, syllabuses, and, and they're pretty good. Now, just because we're master instructors, and I want to throw a curve at you here, Scott, there are instructors out there who have no certification who are pretty darn good. Several of them are dear friends and yes, fellow instructors, are. that's for sure. Oh, man. And, and uh, I don't know why they don't become a PBIA instructor. That's their situation uh, um, but they are there are good instructors around there are so how would you search out for an instructor what are you looking for well the uh, first thing I look for is desire um, you have to want to teach uh, teaching is a uh, combination of patience and communication skills and knowledge and for those people who wish to help other people learn how to play, those are the kind of people I'm looking to get into our program. Yeah, Not they, somebody that just wants a title. Oh, I agree. And, and, and you're right. Teaching, we could be teaching anything sure. that we have knowledge about, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you take your regular upgrades and seminars? And, and uh, I do. I mean... I, I get out there and, and it's, it's a... Con continuing education thing for all of us. We're all students of the game forever. I learn probably from every student, but every time I'm with you or Jerry or, or the other instructors, I'm learning something from them. A different way of doing something, a different way of looking at something. A new so, way to communicate. So I don't know as if master instructor is the end result of anything. It just says we're still trying to get better. Absolutely. Um, well, we need uh, certainly a lot more instructors yes. out there. Oh, yes, please. So if anybody's got any desire out there to, to, to teach and you have some teaching abilities, 
um, look up the PBIA on the website and, and you'll find one of us out there to come help you. Or contact Randy or I, we'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. Scott travels. I do. I only put 22,000 miles on last <laughs> year. Uh, Scott probably doubled that. At least. I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And this has been this week's One Minute Pool Instructor. Join us next week when we're going to talk about the concept of hit the ball and follow through versus your natural finish. Well, you got to follow through. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going to hear, right? That's what you're going to hear. We'll see you then. American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Fields Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And basically, this show is is going to be centered around a lot of the things that have been going on on the forum, the Easy Billiards Forum, for the last what week or more. Yeah. The CSI Invitational events were. Uh, Apparently they went really well, but then there's been a couple of threads out there of some uh, things that have gone on, and we're, we're all in the same boat here. I don't know what happened either. I wasn't there, but I invited Ozzy and Mark Griffin from CSI to come on and, and basically give us their take on what happened, because at this point I think there's a lot of people that are making assumptions guesses, and they're, and they're taking second-hand information and then putting their own spin on it. So I'd, I'd like to welcome, actually, Dave Bond is with us as well, Hello. Uh, the producer of American Billiard Radio. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. And thank you for joining us, Mark and Ozzy. And if, if you would, we just, all we're trying to do is do a little fact-finding, hear it from the horse's mouth. What happened? I know there's questions about the, the beginning. We had Dennis Okolo playing Ralph Suke. We hear that Dennis heard partway through his match that he couldn't win. He couldn't go through, no matter what. And that's why he lost interest. Is that what happened? Uh, well, this is Ozzy Reynolds. First of all, thank you for having us on. Mm -hmm. uh, we just opened our office yesterday, and we're now trying to get back to normal. Uh, the situation you're referring to, Dennis Orcolo had to play Ralph Suquet at the same time that Shane Van Boning had to play Kevin Ching. Every player was one and one at the time. So whoever was going to be the top-ranked player in that group had to win their match, and another person had to lose. For Dennis's situation, Dennis had to win, and Shane Van Boning had to lose. That was the only way Dennis could win the group, so to speak. Mm, okay. Partially through Dennis's match, Shane Van Boning beat Kevin Ching. Therefore, Dennis had no chance of being the number one ranked player in the group. The best he could do was Right. He ended up losing to Ralph. Uh, Hill Hill, I believe. No, I think it was 9-7. 9-7, seven. Seven. okay. It was a close match. He ended up losing, and some people say he didn't play particularly well at the end. We have no reason to believe he dumped 
Uh, in fact, that would be contrary to what would make sense because if Dennis had won that match, although he would not be the number one ranked player, he would improve his position within the group, thus guaranteeing him another $500 and the third match of everybody's group was a 250 bonus. So by losing his match, he got $750 less than he would have by winning the match. Right, right. Just doesn't make sense. Right. So, and you know, right. same old story, I miss what's like a dog, you know? It's just, uh, it's just, it's just the way it is. That's, yeah. not, that's not really the point that... Uh, right, I know, it's, it's not the point of, of, of contention or controversy at, the, at this point, but it's part of the entire you know, series of threads that have gone on. Well, so, so go, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm going to raise a couple things starting off, and then I'm going to let Ozzy, because Ozzy is the one that was the point guy on the uh, the uh, Invitational 10-ball and the Invitational 8-ball. Remember, there were two events. I'm just going to give you a quick overview. Uh, approximately 5,500 players, close to 40 events. Everybody seems to get um, tunnel vision on this one particular little portion of the event. And uh, there was, this is just one of the many, many moving parts. Uh, a situation came up. Ozzy will explain the ground rules, the situation that came up, how we handled it, and why we handled it. The thing that's got me running in circles sometimes is the total disrespect shown by some of the, the minority of, uh, of a few people that just seem to not understand complexities of what went on. And, uh, and to accuse us of impropriety is please come to Las Vegas and stand in front of me and say that. That's all I ask. <laughs> and identify yourself. I'm getting a little bit back to some of the keyboard cowboys. But be that as it may, my philosophy and CSI's philosophy has always been to be as transparent as possible. That's why we're really willing to make this uh, uh, public um, announcement uh, on, you know, on, your, on your program. And we'll be doing some press releases and everything because I, I do believe in transparency because I think... I think what we're trying to do is improve pool. We can't do it with all the snipers out there. And some of these people need to realize they're doing way more damage. So uh, that being said, uh, keep things in their context. And when people say we should have responded the next day, I said, yeah, we should do that. You're right. Uh, we have a limited staff. We still had many, many events going. I mean, this thing involves 16 players. We had events with uh, 1,000 players. There's priorities. Right. Possibly our priorities don't match up with other people's priorities. That being said, Ozzy can explain all the rest of the stuff, and we'll both answer the question as it comes on. Okay. Okay, so basically the format of our event uh, was four groups of four players each. The round-robin style format, everybody plays everybody once, and the top-ranked player from each group advances to a single elimination bracket. It's important to realize that our format actually calls for one player to come out of every group. Wait, hold on. Uh, Stop right there just for a second because I want that point to be heard. So, in other words, regardless, there is there is a uh, precedent for somebody comes out of each group. You're not going to just, like, like in the case of Ralph, withdrawing you're not just going to put a zero. There's going to be somebody's going to come out of that group. Is Absolutely that- not. We, we structured this. Is, 
for one player to come out of every group. Right. We could have easily format B2 players come out of every group. Sure. And some have argued that that may have been better, and that's a valid point. But the point being is there are no buys in the elimination stage so that someone gets a trip to the finals without ever playing another player from a different group. Okay. To me, that's absurd. Okay. And that's not acceptable, and that's probably the, that's the thrust of the argument that seems to have everybody's uh, right. real spinning in circles. Right, right, right. And in the context of a round-robin group, you take the person with the highest number of wins, that's your number one player, the, the person with the next highest number of wins, and so forth and so on down the line. So that if something were to happen, top player blows up instantaneously, well then you've got the second, the person that had the second highest number of wins is the person that comes out of that group. Is, is that correct? Okay, I'm just making sure that we're all clear on that. All right, go ahead. So at the end of the round-robin stage, we'll call it, we had four players that had the best records in their group, and they were advancing to the single elimination bracket. Well, we knew that in, I think it was Group C, Ralph Suquet was the highest-ranked player in his group. His match ended at 1 o'clock. So at 1 o'clock, we knew that Ralph Suquet was the highest-ranked player in his group. Ralph left to go back to his room, and his his elimination bracket match was scheduled for 5 o'clock. Sometime shortly after 4 o'clock, uh, I got a call that Ralph was in the rotunda and needed to speak to me immediately. I was in a meeting. We were dealing with some other issues involving other events at the venue, and Ralph explained to me that his flight was scheduled to leave Las Vegas at 7 p.m., and for the last couple hours, he's been, he had been trying to change it, and he couldn't. And he absolutely had to leave right now, or he was going to miss his flight. Uh, so we convened an emergency meeting, uh, if you want to call it that, to discuss what we should do. And my gut instinct right from the bat was a second-place finisher needs to move on, because that's what our format called for. Everyone in our management team agreed, and that's what we did. Right. Now... When, when the Taiwan player's manager heard about the decision, uh, he was not, he did not agree with it. So he asked to have a meeting with me. Uh, we had a meeting. He explained to me why he disagreed. I explained to him why I disagreed with his logic and what the decision was. He simply asked, okay, what happens if my player refuses to play. I said, well, what we would do is take the second-ranked player out of his group, and instead of your player getting third, fourth-place money, he would get fifth, eighth-place money because the second-place player would have to come into his spot. Mm-hmm. That's what would happen. Okay. Obviously, he didn't like that option either, and he they opted to play the match. But the assertion that I've read online that they were strong-armed and threatened to not get any money is absolutely false. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, it's offensive. It's, it's very offensive. There's several things. And I, I'm, cause this is not a rehearsed program. I'm going to disagree with Ozzy a little bit in his time frame. Um, and to go back a little bit, we were having a very serious meeting with two team captains and all our lead staff, including the prom- uh, tournament director, because we had to disqualify one of the top 16 undefeated open players. Teams. 
whole team because they had made a mistake and they were not an eligible team and their opponent caught it. Uh, that was a pretty serious decision. Uh, my recollection is, is that I had approximately 20 minutes notice of Ralph's situation. Ozzy was in our in that meeting when he got called out. I think he had about 45 minutes notice, dealt with Ralph for 15 minutes. Ralph insisted on getting his check at that point. Um, and uh, and then he then, then as he while he was trying to come back into the office, he uh, met John Liu and uh, had that discussion. So uh, we're just trying to set the facts straight, and then uh, sure. And that's as I so very very insufficient time, and we were in the middle of a very important discussion. You when you have teams that are undefeated in the top sixteen, that's pretty serious decisions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Ozzy. Wherever you guys are at. Well, so that that leads me to uh, that my kind of kind of my next question, and that would be Ralph. To to this point, has had a, a impeccable reputation. I'm I'm sure you'd agree. The sportsmanship and uh, the way he conducted himself, and so. How long was there before from when he said he had to leave? the time of his next match? It was less than one hour. I'll be honest with you, I didn't document the times. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. sometime after 4 o'clock and he met me and told me that he had to leave. Okay. I'm sure that you guys have been contemplating this and trying to figure out the answers because nobody expects somebody in the Final Four of an Invitational to leave. Well, not voluntarily oh. anyway, right. Right. So but my question is, at what point, so you guys paid Ralph for what position? He was paid in error for third, fourth. For so third, fourth. When he should have got fifth through eighth. Fifth through eighth. Right. Some people say he should get a penny. We feel he's entitled to fifth through eighth. And as I've made a post on AZ Billiards, and the mistake that I'm owning up to, our staff released the check to Ralph for third, fourth position. Against our normal policies of having a normal check processing procedure, but he had to leave, and we always try to defer the player's needs. So, in our sense of fair, they probably bit the bus here a little bit. We have requested the additional thousand dollars that Ralph got in excess. He's currently in China, as are eight or so other players, which we'll go into that in a few minutes. So, um, the error we made was not in the decision making process, the error that was made was paying him the third, fourth money when, uh, as it turns out, you can't have three people in third and fourth place. Right. Right. Okay. right. And so the, the, question, so the question that I'm, I'm trying to lead towards is this. The, again, I'm sure you've thought about, at what point are you no longer the fourth place finisher? Because, and I'm, I'm only saying this, I'm not sticking up for Ralph, because I, I don't know the all the facts yet. R- Ralph's not a good reputation and did he think when he came to you guys for his check that he'd won his final match would put that put him into the final four and so now he gets twenty five hundred dollars for that finish i got no idea it was ralph thing and i haven't talked to him i haven't seen him i'm wondering if that was his thought process and and that's why he wanted the twenty five hundred now if he that twenty five hundred because he decided to leave, drops down to 1500 At what point 
does he actually qualify for fourth place? And this is a, a little bit of a conundrum, I think. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I'm sure you guys are. But once you beat your last guy, you're in fourth place, you go fourth place money. Or is could Ralph have said, okay, I've got a little extra time. I'll show up to my match, I'll break the balls, and then say I feel sick and say I've got to leave and now I'll forfeit, and I get the 2500 there's, there's, there's a couple of different issues here. First of all, I consider Ralph UK's move, what he did, as a withdrawal. I do not consider it a forfeiture. Right. If he had showed up at the match, broke and then walked off the table, that is a forfeiture. Right. Um, I, I object. I, I, you know how I ramble. I really get angry at some of these people that you should have planned for this. You should have planned all the contingencies. And all I'll do is I'll ask everybody the same thing. Out of the 16 players we had, who was the last person you'd ever expect to bail for a plane flight? got to be Ralph. Right. I mean, he's not supposed to do these type of things. Bottom line, we have now established a precedent for this type of format. So it helps establish a future rule. As far as I'm concerned, you're not the winner of your last match until I know you're going to show up for the next match. Because by definition... Somebody has to come out of that group to play a semifinal. Right. If you want it and you can't play the semifinal, then you just don't get the prize. It's real simple. Right. You get relegated back through fifth through eighth, and the next guy, number two, takes your spot. And that's the penalty you pay for doing that. Ralph should have never played the event. Ralph should have never. Well, he knew three months ago what the schedule was. Right. Out of eight players that were going to China, he's the only one that had to leave at 7 o'clock. There were players leaving at noon, or excuse me, at midnight, nine, and noon the next day, all going to the same place in China. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm baffled and miffed. We're waiting to hear from Ralph. We're, let's give him the courtesy of a of a response because that was my biggest beef with all the AZ stuff. Is give me time to respond. I told you I'd respond. I will respond. I don't duck from anybody. So um, it's an interesting situation. People are getting hung up the normal single or double format, double elimination format. That's not what this was. Some people go so far as to say, but his name was moved on the bracket, therefore he's the winner. Really? Please show me where that's written down. That's what you're used to in a double elimination. And it's just, it's crazy what some of these, some of that uh, hooks that people are hanging their hat on. You know? And the bottom line is, we were in a very awkward situation because of Ralph's uh, 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 actions. And I think with all the posts that are on Easy Billiards, there's obviously at least two main schools of thought. And give us the credit of of being, let's say, half right. Mm-hmm. Okay? But no answer is going to make everybody happy. We made the right answer under the right situation with the facts we had, and we would not change it with the facts that we know now. Well, what I and think... I'm, um, I'm sorry, go ahead, thanks. Was, go ahead. I'm sorry if people don't agree with us, but it's bottom line is, is there is no perfect answer the perfect answer is for ralph to play his match right right and i think what what mark was trying to cantrell was trying to get at is if uh ralph had started his match and for whatever reason quit left got sick or whatever the case then technically that match had begun. He walks away in the fourth place position, regardless of whatever else happens. But because he did not even start it, that's why he did not qualify as the fourth place finisher because he didn't even begin the damn match. He withdrew forty-five minutes before the match. Right. 
Had he waited, uh, yeah, had he uh, waited uh, the hour. Imagine somebody from each bracket. Right. From each, each group. You couldn't, some people say, well, it's the highest winner of all four. No. Somebody had to come from group C. That's the format it was designed for. That's what we're going to do. Right. It's, it's, a, it's actually it's a baffling situation. And, and again, based on Ralph's previous integrity and professionalism and conduct, I can't understand personally. Nothing against. I mean, really, I don't. I, I can't say anything against Ralph. He's not done anything to me. But I'm surprised the man who travels the world as much as he does with pool tournaments all over the world didn't make the proper planning. Okay, I'll say make the proper planning, and then. I don't think, and, and I think, and I hate to say this, because, again, i got no problem with Ralph. He should have not entered the tournament. He should be, and, and the reason he didn't tell you guys before is because if he came to you at the start of the tournament and said, you know what, guys, I, uh, I, I, I've got a flight leave and I'm not going to be able to finish the tournament if I get through, we probably would have been kicked out and, not, and found somebody else. Now you're making assumptions. And see, don't make assumptions, because that that's what people did with us on the Oli threads. And that's what some people are even saying. I don't believe this Ralph's airplane fiasco. I think that he was embarrassed because Dennis played poorly. Or these people create so much mud because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're willing to give Ralph the time to respond. That's all we ask from anybody else. Give us time to respond. If you can't do that, Go play tiddlywinks. You don't belong in pools. So then are you saying, and I'm not, this is not an accusation. I'm asking, Ozzy specifically, when you were approached by Ralph, did he, and if he did, and he and it's just none of our business, then you can say so, but did he give you any specific reasoning why he decided to go? Other than the plane ticket? Why he had to leave. Other than the plane, right? Yeah. Is that what you're at? Yes. No, and I, and I can't comment to what he was thinking. I can just tell you what occurred. And he would have made he would have made more money because I don't. I think it wasn't cost to, to exchange a plane ticket, and he's going to get preferential treatment. He's got millions of flyer miles. What would it cost for him to exchange the ticket? One hundred fifty, two hundred, three hundred bucks. Well, he, he said that he couldn't. I can't comment on that. I'll comment. All I can comment on was that he was in a, when he approached me sometime after 4 o'clock that afternoon, uh, he was in a frantic hurry to leave. He said that he tried to change his flight, and they would not let him, and he had to go right now. Hmm. Okay. Other than that, I can't comment on what maybe Maybe there wasn't another flight. Well, I'm going to tell you what I do know. There were eight other players at that tournament, and they left. At midnight, at 9 in the morning, and at noon. And it all went to the same place. Right. So I can't tell you why Ralph had to leave at 7. You'll have to ask Ralph. Right. Okay? Okay. I, I will tell you that what he did was uh, unconscionable. I'm, I, I'm trying to be very dainty in my words. Well, and, you know, he, Mark Cantrell... He disrespect here. Yeah, I, I can't... Um, Mark Cantrell and I were discussing this on the phone a little earlier today, and what I said was, it it had to have crossed his mind 
the problems that it was going to cause of him just walking, you know, just leaving like that. I can't imagine that a thought never, you know, he had to have known. So it, sure. I'm sure that everybody has got to be baffled as to why that, you know, why it was so important whenever something else could have been done to accommodate that ticket. So I don't know. I guess I'm going to throw my arms in the air. I don't know. Let me just interrupt you for a second, but really, we can talk about Ralph all day long, but I, I'm not Ralph. You're not Ralph. Sure. But we're going to have to let Ralph, if he elects to, talk for himself. All we can talk about is what CSI did when Ralph laid the bombshell on us. Sure. And, and that seems to be where everybody seems to be all pissed off about is, well, you should abide the, uh, Ralph should have been a buy. No, Ralph's not a buy. Ralph's a withdrawal. The format demands a person from each bracket to go forward. I'm not sure what's so difficult to understand about that. Right. And, and don't accuse us of cheating Cole out of his pot. He still had to play. He had to play somebody. We are not going to buy somebody into the finals. That destroys the credibility of the event. Of the event. I've, I've had a couple discussions. SJM, I, is a very nice guy, as, as ethical as possible. He and I are so far on the opposite side of this, but he's missing the point. We had a decision to make, okay? And, and actually... There's a couple of polls and this and that. I, the majority of people agree with us. It's really the vocal minority, and some of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it because they don't like CSI, or they think Shane is CSI's boy. Has no bearing where Shane it was just number two in that group. All we're asking for is to be treated fairly. We have a huge track record. Everybody's a lot of people are saying, "Well, let's see what Ralph says." That's what we're saying. Why don't people wait to see what we say? And that's what we're doing. We're saying why we did it. We mm-hmm. can agree to disagree. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. I, do I demand respect for what we've done? Absolutely. And to these three or four posts you say they'll never, ever, ever buy a CSI uh, uh, pay-per-view again, please, send me your emails. I'll guarantee you, you never buy another one. I'm just <laughs> tired of the moaners and the droners. Either get in or get involved or shut up. It's real simple. It is. It is really simple. Well, or... Or, you know, take the time to make the call. Make a phone call and find out. It's yeah. re- you know, it's really easy. Call Mark, call Ralph, talk to Co. One of the, you know, talk to somebody who was actually there and somebody who was actually involved. Uh, and you guys will notice that I very obviously stayed out of the forum discussion on it because I knew that what was being said could not be counted on until we heard the facts from the source. So that's why we're having well, this conversation today. And there's still a difference of opinion. Sure. Well, and, and you know, I'd like to make a, a couple comments if I can. Please do. In, in this country, all that there seems to be, if you, if you go to any streams that are on every week, is the same old double elimination brackets. Time and time again, that's all you ever see, double elimination brackets. So that's what people are trained to see. They know how it works. It's automatic. There's very little thought process that goes into watching something like that. We tried to create something different, fighting. And we created this format. It's a round-robin-style format, but we put our own twist on it with the geographical regions and the size of the groups and so on and so forth. So when people saw that Ralph withdrew and it wasn't a buy, they were confused. And they jumped to the assumption that some kind of uh, conspiracy was going on 
to get Shane Van Boning into the elimination bracket. <laughs> What's interesting to me, though, is we started off the conversation talking about Dennis and Ralph and Shane and Kevin Ching playing one another. If Kevin Ching had beaten Shane Van Boning in that match, Kevin Ching would have been the second-ranked player in that group. Right. And upon Ralph's withdrawal, he would have went to the bracket. Exactly. And I would almost guarantee you would see nothing on AZ Billiards about that because two Taiwan players from arguably the same team would have been playing each other to go to the finals. Right. Uh, I think it was wild speculation from everybody that because it was Shane Van Boning, some kind of conspiracy had occurred. That's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, I guess I I get the the relationship and implication, but but I think that you know. And let me just, Mark Griffin, I'm going to speak on your behalf. Sorry, just for a second. I think that Mark Griffin is smart enough to know. Hell, I think Ozzy's smart enough to know how blatantly obvious it would be to try to pull a stunt like that. That would be extremely tacky. It would be unethical. And it would, like I said, it would be very obvious to people if you were trying to uh, force something like that to happen. So I also am offended that people would would make the suggestion that you guys did it just because you're a friend of his or something. That's kind of silly. Well, the other silly thing is, you know... (laughs) I hate to put it this way, but there really is no relationship there between CSI and Shane other than he plays in a lot of our events. He played in a lot of tar matches simply because people wanted to see him and people wanted to see who could beat him. Well, right. And he played. Yeah. But there is there's no standing relationship with any. Right. Maybe, maybe I should have said business relationship, but yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, you know, in some ways, it's just a, it's a coincidence. I had that conversation with somebody else. It just happened to be Shane. So I, I don't blame Shane or or anything else. I, I mean, you, you guys had a, a decision you had to make. And, and like we said before, the, who would have thought for a second that Ralph would, you know, not be available? So that's that. And I'm sure, I mean, Cole, I'm sure he's not happy with how it ended up. Have you heard anything from Cole? Has he said anything that he's upset about the way things turned out? He, he won't be able to chunk the money, I believe, him and his brother. Uh, have we heard if they're upset? Is that the question? Yeah. No, I haven't heard anything of that nature. Um, um, let me ask you this. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, if when... Um, when you were having the discussion with uh, their manager about uh, Shane coming in and co-playing the match, and he disagreed, what were what did he suggest should have been done? Well, he suggested that his player get a buy directly to the finals. Okay, that I, that's all I wanted to know. Okay, he disagreed with. And, and let me let me point out something, and this is where I get upset. With that thought in mind. Um, there's a poster who's a local guy. I don't know who he is. It's Bandit GRRR or something. Says, I heard this from Mark Crippen that the decision was made to protect the pay-per-view. <laughs> okay. He heard maybe the last 10 seconds of a three-minute discussion. I did say it was one of the considerations, 
but is not a major consideration. Knowing how pay-per-view people are, if all of a sudden we would have said, nope, there's not going to be one, we're only going to have one semi, one final, or the semi-final, and then go directly into the final, people say, well, wait a minute, I drove home to watch this match, you canceled it, what, can't do those things. This is, that's not how it works. It's part of the whole concept, the whole package. There was a better resolution and a more fair resolution, is what we did. We brought the number two player out of that grouping. But so this bandit girl overhears a portion of a conversation posted, and people say, thanks for that information. That's really factual. It's not factual. I sent him a PM, let's say he responds. It's just, it's aggravating when people take these little itsy bits of information and think it's gospel. Right. And people need to tone their shit down a little bit. Yeah, That's just the way you have to be respectful to what we're trying to do. There's there's imperfect solutions to an imperfect world. And and you guys have had a week to chew on this. I'm still standing by. I had under 20 minutes. And, 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 and uh, in all honesty, when we made the decision, I never dreamed it would have these implications. Didn't have time to think about. We're wrestling disqualifying a team that has to winner has to go play another match. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and it's just, it's, up, it's upsetting, but we try. We are very upfront. You tell me another organization that's as visible as us, it'll even, somebody wants to pick up the phone, they can call me. I'll talk to them. It's not like, go to the other leagues. You can't even find out who's the head boss. Yeah. We're very accessible. Take advantage of it. If you have a question, talk to us. Don't stab us in the back and then expect us to be nice guys. Right. And just, well, you know, love has been has been a game of and because you know you guys are being busy. One thing leads to another. It's a little bit like that game of Chinese whispers, where one thing you know, once you say one thing, it, it turns into a whole another thing. And 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 the lack of information that came out, people just start jumping to conclusions now. What people may disagree with your decision, and that that might be the big part of it. Not necessarily the conspiracy theory about Shane or uh, Dennis, or what Ralph did, or anything else. It might just be they don't agree with the decision, and that it might be as simple as that. But you know how it, things escalate. I mean, it's real easy to escalate things on that. Um, but is, is there anything else that we're missing on from all these threads? I think uh, have we covered everything that they've well complained about at this point? I, you know, I don't think you could possibly cover <laughs> everything that people have cited on those threads. Uh, anybody that follows me knows that I really don't post much on there anymore, other than promotional type things, because it seems to me that there are a handful of people. Uh, on those forums, that if you look at their past history, a very, very high percentage of things they post is just negativity. And I'm not sure why, but it seems like no matter what someone is trying to do for pool, they just want to point blame, uh, pick it to death, and sort of drag everybody down with them. So I don't want to participate in that anymore. I, I use the forums. I think it's a great tool for people to voice their opinions and for us to get the word out about our events. Right. But as far as letting a handful of the vocal minority dictate how we run our business, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. This kind of thing gets Mark a little little more stirred up than I like me. <laughs> um, and when five, when five people in AZ Billiards <laughs> put up 100 and all of a sudden it appears to be an issue, 
Yeah. Uh, Mark gets a lot more upset about it than I do. But, well, I, I will say this, and I like AZ Billiards Forum, so I think it's a great venue for people to express their opinions, and they have their right to their opinions. There's no problem with that. But I've talked to several people since the events ended that don't read the forums, and all of them had the same opinion. This was the best pro event, the most exciting pro event they've ever seen in their whole lives. And they said it was just spectacular. And when I when I mentioned, well, did you read what's on AZ Weirds? They had no idea what I was talking about. Right, right. right. It's, it's, it's kind of ironic the people that read that may have a different impression of the event than the people that don't read that. And right. to some extent, that's that's a real shame. Right. I, I would agree with what Aldi said. I look at it as a, I must be a, I'm just twisted, I guess. Maybe I like to get punished. But I look at these detractors, and I like to have the opportunity to have discussions with them, because I can, I, most of the time, I can make them flip. And so they understand what we do and why we do it. And they say, oh, I didn't, and they become a, a bit of one of our allies rather than a detractor, because... This negativity that seems to spread faster than anything is bad for the game. It's bad for the sport. Nobody needs, you know, doesn't do anybody any good except make some guy that hides behind a keyboard feel proud for himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm not saying I feel sorry for him. I'd much rather say come and become part of the team. But I don't. I, I do get a little worked up. Really, a kind of a. But I have passion. But it's, it's not like I'm going to have a heart attack or get angry. And I do want to, I'm the one guy that keeps posting, maybe I do these things with my health and my oxygen is deprived. <laughs> really, it's just pretty far out there. I tell you like I tell everybody else, I'll post, I'll make a post and give everybody 15 minutes before I die. Will that make them happy? Well, what's your thought on this, Mark? Well, I, I'm not, you know, negating Aussie, but at the end of the day, we know who's uh, the the real boss of CSI. And I know that you're Change. passionate. Change. Oh, what's your, what's your uh, opinion? Because he goes around when people say, hey, listen, to, to the people, the naysayers, hey, you know what? You put $50,000 together, put your own fucking tournament together, and, and do what the hell you want to do. Do it a different way. Yep. <laughs> what? what I mean, is it a valid point to you or not? Is it a valid point? It, it is, but I'm not one of those my way or the highway type guys. I'd rather say I'm driving down this side of the road because of this. Mm-hmm. But if they push and push and push, I, I say real simple. You go drive your own side. This is the way we're going. I tried to explain it to you. If you're too dense or not willing to listen, screw you. Right. And we're not changing the record. However, once in a while, you know, the idiots can make a pretty salient comment and we'll take advantage of it and use it. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's um, we we try to be logical. I mean, the fact is, is if you really analyze what we do and why we do it, it's hard to argue with it mm-hmm. because it's logical. You may disagree, say, no, I would have gone this way rather than that way. That's fine, but there's still logic in both of both solutions. Mm-hmm. The proof in the is proof over 50% people <laughs> in just your posts and all that other crap agree that we made the right decision. I had 10 or 15 emails saying, great event. I had not one email saying we screwed up. So that's 100% in our favor. But, I, you know, but I'm just trying to say that we are trying to do something for pool, recognize it for what it is. Embrace it or don't embrace it, but don't tear it down. What are you accomplishing by saying that 
we used favoritism when we didn't, or we cheated, oh, which we didn't. It's right. nonsense. Right. Well, at, at the end of the day, again, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be up on Ralph. I'm really not. At the end of the day, this all started because the Ralph's decision, and without that decision, all this would never have happened. And everybody being smooth sailing. I'm thinking about maybe seeing if I can get him on the show and see if we can't uh, get his opinion. I'm not sure he's going to be willing to talk about it or if he has any good real answers to talk about it. Um, Excellent idea. I I have a question. I have a question about Ralph, actually. It's not just about about Ralph, but it's about uh, what happened. Um, Is it... Well, first question is, is there any um, penalty from withdrawing from a tournament uh, just out of the blue? Or is there going to be any penalty uh, in the future from withdrawing from a tournament out of the blue, say for like an emergency or something? And is is Ralph going to be... um, uh, on probation, or is he in trouble, or what? All right, can I answer that before Mark says something that I have to clean up? <laughs> you may. Um, one of the, one of, after every event, we we hold what I would call a lessons learned type of session, uh, because no matter how long you've been doing it or how well it may have gone, there's always things that can be improved. Uh, one of the lessons that we definitely took away was. As hard as it was to imagine that someone in this particular tournament would withdraw, we better have something written in place and communicated clearly ahead of time. Yeah. You best believe that will happen in the future. Uh, as far I, as I, I, you know, Ozzy, here's the thing, and I was, I, I, you know, I spoke about this, trying to get as much information as I can. I agree. I'm fifty-fifty on it. I agree that something should have been in place, but something is in place for for something that nobody could foresee ever happening. I said it before, earlier in this chat, who would have thought that anybody at that stage in the game would forfeit willingly? Okay. So how do you prepare for that? If you prepare for that, then you've got to prepare for what if the pool table sets on fire in the middle of the match. Well, the way, the way yeah. you prepare for it, Mark, is... <laughs> It's kind of like the justice system, for example. All right, most of our law in this country is dictated by precedent. A situation comes up that nobody could ever have dreamed up, and a judge has to make a ruling. And after that ruling is made, that becomes the the, law, the legal precedent. Right. All right. So in this situation, we absolutely did not foresee somebody withdrawing from the tournament who had made it through the round robin stage. Uh, but now we have a precedent, and it will be written and communicated to anybody. If, if we do the same format in the future, it will be written and communicated to all the players ahead of time, along with some other what-ifs that we've all talked about. Uh, Can you give me a brief synopsis of what the difference is between a withdrawal and a forfeit? Well, we in, in you guys' mind, are you still trying to put that together? Well, we, we kind of talked about that earlier. If a guy shows up for his match and has to quit after it begins, that's a forfeit. Right. If a guy before the match begins says he cannot continue, that's a withdrawal. Right. And that's the line we drew. It's it's our format. Uh, we structured this tournament to be different than a lot of the other tournaments that everybody's used to. 
and that's the decision we made. And, and frankly, we stick by it. We still think it was the correct decision for our format. Well, I'm going to play. I'm playing devil's advocate here and taking it to an extreme. I know I'm taking it to an extreme. But like I said, if Ralph showed up and just broke and said, I feel sick after the break, that makes a difference. Oh, yeah. Huge. Right. Huge difference. Because that's a, a not completed match versus a match that never took place at all. Match doesn't start till it starts. Right. And, right. and that's, that's the posture we're taking. And it doesn't... It's not determined by who moves over on a bracket. Not in this format. In a double elimination, you can make that argument. That's not a double elimination. Our single elimination format with Ralph involved had not started, even though it was the second of the two uh, finals. But um, we promised X amount of matches, and that's what we're going to deliver. Nobody's going to get buyed into the finals. So are you going to take away his birthday now? Well, <laughs> I think that there's... There's a lot of people arguing that Ralph should have gotten zero. Yeah. Uh, that will be that will be addressed in our future events, and it's very possible that, that somebody does this in the future. Uh, there will be sanctions. We, uh, you know, it, we're still waiting through it. We're still doing cleanup. I mean, we've only been open a day and a half, and we were closed for two weeks. So, mm. um, I know if you were to take other industries, uh, do this in snooker and watch what happens. You're probably not going to play for a year. Mm. You know, yeah. But there's no governing body, unfortunately. And more and more, we're becoming more and more of a governing body because we seem we do because you know. As I wrote in one of my posts, I guess the simplest way is not to make errors is not to do anything. Yeah. But we don't anything. We won't make any mistakes. Cool. What good does that do for the game? The reason we are in controversy, the reason we do make errors, is because we do more than probably anybody else find in the whole country. Right. And, and I suggest people just appreciate and enjoy what we do. There's going to be screw-ups. Tough. Accept them. You know, that's true. That's a very valid point. You know, it's, it's uh, living on a... Um, somebody was told you, you live on the uh, edge of a sword blade. If, if you do something great, everybody sees it. But if you do something that they don't like or is questionable, everybody sees it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we don't have anything to apologize for it's the right thing under the right reasons at, at, with, with very short notice. Uh, right. If you want to point a finger at somebody, I, I'm pointing it towards Germany. I don't care where you point it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm well, I don't know if we can beat uh, a dead horse anymore, to be honest. I think you, you guys have said everything that answered the questions, all the questions that have been out there. Absolutely. Um, Ralph listen to this broadcast, there'll be about 12 more threads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. We, we know the big time as you might think. Who knows? Oh, it, it, you have to laugh about it. It's just a game for Pete's sake. It's not life and death. Yeah, yeah we're a small part of the world of sports, that's for sure. And then, you know, people are enthusiastic about it. So, you know, it's, it's tough to criticize even the, the the people the detractors the reason they're involved the reason they're interested are old is because they love the game yeah you know and the fact that they're watching it listening to it paying attention to it is because they love the game now yeah you can be a, a lot more i think mark i think you're a more you get more butter because people don't 
sometimes they'll say things to rude and not they don't have a polite discussion about it. You said before you don't care if people disagree with you, but have a, a relevant, polite, respectful discussion about it. Sure. And I think that's part of what gets you pissed off more than you know any, anything else is. Hey, it's my money. I'm doing this, and if you're knocking me for what I'm doing, and I think that uh, upsets you a little bit more than anything. Well, here's the here's the thing. As Ozzy said, I think we put on the best event this country's seen years, maybe forever. Really, I mean, these people are should they should be talking about the Cole brothers, not about Ralph Suke and his BS move. Okay, that's the damage that was done too. But we did something that we can be extremely proud of. Hold our head high, and it was it was the nuts for the pool player. By the way, we haven't figured out, but we only lose fifty thousand on this thing. So again, I mean, because you, you can't, it, it's an it's, it's an impossibility to break even doing pro events. It just doesn't math out. Mm-hmm. People need to understand that we do it for passion. We don't do it for profit. Anybody that says profitability is a requirement, you know, just any the offer is open. Anytime people want to see what we do. Uh, Come by our office. We'll put you to work for a week at no pay, and you can actually see what we do. Well, and that's a go good home. point. That's a good point, and I think this is a, a, a great spot in the program for me to mention this. Um, I We talked about this before this interview started a little bit. I have experience in the management realm. I have experience with events. Um, I do not have experience with throwing tournaments or... Uh, leagues or any of that stuff so I cannot speak to the specifics of doing that however because I have the experiences that I do I know what goes into throwing an event of that size we're talking about I, I was talking to somebody earlier on the phone about this today just negotiating a deal for balls and chalk and tables that alone is enough to to make your hair turn gray not to mention coordinating all the different leagues, all the different players. Uh, And as I mentioned before, I don't know anybody uh, with the the credit, and I'm not talking about financial credit. I don't know anybody with the credit or credentials or the know-how to walk into Las Vegas and book a major hotel for an event of this size and pull all of these things together Weeks and weeks, phone calls after phone calls, hours and hours and hours of legwork and logistic work, have it all come together. And the smallest of things, down to the last detail, has all been taken care of. You can even watch the damn event in your room. I don't think that the the bulk of the people out there truly understand the... the, enormous task that it is to put something like this together. So it it irks me to hear them so easily cast dispersions on, oh my God, this was crooked, this was wrong, this was that or that or what. I don't think they're taking into consideration the big picture. And I certainly don't think that they appreciate the amount of work that goes into it. So just from myself, having, like I said, an inside perspective on this, I want to let you guys know that I appreciate it, and I know the amount of work that it takes, okay? So my props to you, uh, for number one, for putting out all the effort and the money in the first place, and number two, 
for taking the time patiently to address the people that don't necessarily understand the work that, that goes involved. So thanks to you. I do appreciate it. We appreciate those comments. No, and I do it. And and something that I, we like to hear because we do it out of passion. I, mean, I don't know if you guys understand, but I, like I said, this is a 312 pool. You know, our five key people in this office have close to 250 years in pool. Yeah. To get that, that's 40 and 50 years per person. Right. You can't think that's just, it's crazy. You know, because we're pool people. Right. And, and people, we we march to a different drummer. We do it for the love of the game. We're not about business. That's one reason why Ozzy's here, though, because in all honesty, uh, I'm my own worst enemy. I need Tony <laughs> to keep me straight. Besides that, uh, he's going to teach me how to get a haircut. I almost, did, I almost didn't let him do this interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really, and in the scheme of things, Somebody wrote me and sent me a text and said, do you realize there's C8 threads with BCA or CSI in the title on yeah. AZ Billiards? Yeah. yeah. Right now, 58. That's crazy. I said, wow. But there's other bigger, there's bigger topics. There's, there was two or three topics, one in particular that needs to be discussed that puts this little thing to shame. Yeah. That nobody's aware of. And it's just, you know, there's just more things to address and... We'll get to those later. What 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 else is going on? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I have, this is funny. I have to look okay, I can, you know, I've got a vision right now of Ozzy doing a zipper thing across his lips while he's looking at you. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with. Uh, it does have to do with me. It does have to do with Mark Griffin and the Billiard Congress of America, and there and there are issues that need to be discussed, and there 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 are bigger issues than uh, than uh, whether a guy forfeited in them semifinals of yeah. a tournament. And in one week, this stuff won't even be on AZ Billiards. It'll be forgotten. And the people that count and everybody will say, man, that was a great event. Yeah. So, but but um, it's important to think, keep things in their perspective. It's important to try to keep going forward. This industry is in the tank. It's the worst it's ever been. We need to work together. And... Uh, and anyhow, as I think, like CSI will con- be continuing to do our podcast. I have to be careful that I don't let you guys up from Chicago um, uh, pull the coup in, on, on all the uh, breaking news reports. We're going to save some for ourselves. Um, but, but, but I like to work with everybody in the industry. I will say that it, it addresses uh, a uh, uh, Mike Pinozo had a editorial in Billiards Digest last month, and it was about the elections. At the Billiard Congress of America, yeah, and I would like to talk about that uh, maybe the next week or two. Oh yes, oh yes. That's, I think it's, that's a is very. There anything, is there anything else, that's going on that you love to talk about? Anything that's relevant? I know, I, you know, I don't want to be a dead horse. I think all the questions are being answered um, as, as best as they can. Tony, uh, you know, we're, and I know I'm getting interrupted and everything, but we've been on this thing for a minute and uh, one hour and eight minutes. And that's too long. Everybody's going to fall asleep before they hear it. But mainly, if you have a question, it's real simple. I say every podcast, pick up the damn phone and call me. You know, how many times do you get an opportunity like that? Right. You know, up the phone. My, my phone number's posted everywhere. You know, it's uh, the office number 702-719-7665. My cell number is 702-835-2000. I will not speak to anybody unless I know their real name. And I'm Pacific time. If you call at four in the morning, I'm not going to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy, the question for you. 
Yeah, since you started working for CSI, um, how many projects are you taking per day at this point? Oh, I, I can't even count. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, some people probably don't appreciate uh, this, this. By all by all accounts, it's a small company. Um, in a small industry, it's probably viewed as a large company. Uh, but not only the external things that a lot of people see, such as topics like this, but there's so many things internally that you have to do, uh, improvements you have to make, processes you have to change. It's uh, it's going to be an overwhelming task for the next couple of years, quite frankly. But uh, we're going to get things in tip-top shape and, and keep pushing forward. And one thing I'm not going to do, uh, whenever Mark Griffin decides to step away for good, we're going to continue. And I'm, I'm, I am not going to let seven or eight people in AZ Billiards deter us from doing what we think is right. Good. This industry is really lucky. I'm 67 years old, and according to about 10 people, I'll be dead tomorrow. <laughs> Ozzy's 35 years old. You know something? The world better get ready, because they got to deal with him for 40 years. <laughs> Put that <in> focus. <laughs> well, I would like to say one last thing before we wrap up. Sure. Is that I really hope that the conversation shifts away from this uh, Ralph Suke withdrawal and really Coping Yi and Coping Chung get the credit they deserve oh, for their performance. Great. Awesome. Yeah. I, I actually have never, ever in my life witnessed domination like I witnessed for those nine days. Yeah. If you look at the younger brother, Coping Chung, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm going off of memory. I believe he went 3-0 and in his group in the 10-ball and made it to the finals. He went 3-0 and in his group in the 8-ball and won the tournament. His only loss to that superstar field of players was to his brother. How strong is that? That is unbelievable. <laughs> and that should be the headline of the event, yeah. not somebody just playing with a bye versus a withdrawal. Yeah. And that's the damage naysayers do. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, something that's kind of amazing. I keep my eye on the pool scene, I, and I, I freely admit I don't watch the international scene. Uh, when I say international, I, I'm mainly talking about Asia, you know, China, Taiwan, and and those kind of places, Philippines. I, I don't keep my eye on that kind of thing. I have never heard of these two kids before. And I've seen the pictures, and I, they look young. How old are they? Well, that, you know, that's the amazing thing. Uh, I believe I heard that Ko Ping Chung is 18 years old. Wow. It's unbelievable. Ko Ping Yi is like 24. And, and, they're, they're, and I'll say it, their domination deserves a lot more press than it's getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree. By the way, Mark, not to hurt your feelings, I know you haven't heard of them, but you know something? They haven't heard of you either, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I, see, I totally agree with us. And see, you can understand see our banter. We're not unhappy about all this. We pulled off a hell of an event. You did. You I did. think. I think the world of pool in the United States should stand up and say, "Holy crap! Could you see what those guys did?" Right. See with us. But you know, the, the point. The point of it was to make sure that you guys got the chance, which I know you got plenty of chances through press releases and statements on AZ Billiards and your own podcasts. 
but we wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity. Now, whether I agree with your decisions or don't agree, agree with your decisions is a matter of supreme indifference. I just wanted to make sure that you guys got the opportunity to set the record straight. I am a supporter of CSI, but I'm not going to necessarily defend you if I don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, you guys put on a great event. There's thousands of pool players who every year make their vacation plans around your event. And you make a lot of people very happy. So I'm very, you know, I'm back. If you guys, if CSI wasn't around, we'd have the APA, uh, was it the ACS cap? But the, it's, it's, not the, it's just not the same of the, the combined things that you guys do. Um, listen, and I'm not naming the other leagues. We do a lot. We want to do it. We're happy we do it. We're glad that we can do it. But we're, you know, our, we're recognized as the rules. We, we are really getting to be recognized as a real authority. And, and that's great. It's quite a compliment. Because, but we strive to do things right. Our goal is perfection. And uh, the responsibility. Again, I, I, the thing I take off my, I have take more pride than anything else is if somebody sends us an email, they get a response. Somebody calls us, they'll get a call back. We don't dodge anybody. You can't say right. that to other people in the industry. That's just my business philosophy. That's the way it's been for 50 years. It's going to be for the next high 10. So now you guys won't get that 15-minute call for 10 more years, damn it. <laughs> um, um, and just respect what we do. I, I just It's just this petty crap has just got to go away. Yeah. It never will. I'm not kidding myself. But, you know, it's either, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. There you go. Have you guys got any other plans? Plans for what? Yeah, Pool tournaments, a different event, uh, more events. So, uh, uh, first, we're going to take Mark out of the office. Then I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go get a permanent. Ozzy's going to grow some hair. No, really, we're planning on doing a very similar event next year. People said, if I were them, I'd just pull bail. It's not worth the aggravation. We plan on doing something similar. It might have a couple of twists. Because when I, I was on it, we, you know, you're not adding. You're not adding anything. I guess was my question. Adding things. I don't know. You, know, you got this young blood, Ozzy. You know, old. You got him on a chain. He's like uh, wanting to go, and you, you're going to hold him back. You're going to let him do some more events. Well, you know, more events. I'm, are you? Do you mean in addition to? Yeah, in addition to what you've got going on right now. Well, we've, we've got about eight months to figure all that out. Uh, the first thing is to get our office back in order, do some internal uh, things that we need to take care of, and then keep pushing forward. I got one, but I'm afraid to say it, so I won't. <laughs> Go on, say it, Mark. Say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> I sure would like to do some more one pocket. Okay. Yay. That's all I'm going to say. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Well, I, I listen. I appreciate you guys' time. I appreciate you uh, giving everybody the horse's mouth uh, version of, of what happened, as opposed to secondhand sources. And um, yeah, we, we I appreciate what you do. I've always said it, but you know, it's I'm, I'm glad that we could maybe give some people some information that maybe they didn't have before. And it could sway people one way or another. 
you know, they may like what you said or they may not. But at least the day, they'll have the facts, right? Good. Exactly. Huh? At least they'll have the facts. They'll have the facts. So from from CSI, right. I'm thinking I, I don't know if I should even get Ralph involved or anybody else because uh, I think he's redundant at this point. Um, we, we just all need to move along, like you said. He'll be gone. He won't be on the Izzy Billiards um, in the next couple weeks, maybe, <laughs> and it'll all be forgotten about. It'll be stale, Ben. Okay. Yep. The main thing is uh, we appreciated the uh, players that did come over, particularly the Taiwan uh, contingency. Um, I was totally impressed. And uh, I, a lot of people are insinuating that their feelings were hurt. I'm not so sure that's true. I think if they really get time to think about it and, 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 and understand the whole facts, we, we really didn't have any options. We had two choices. Uh, and right. either camp has to recognize the... Uh, uh, um, Validity of the uh, opposing opinion. So right. that's the way it is. Okay. A decision had to be so we did it. Cool. You know, you can't, like I say, you can't make everybody happy all the time. So. All right, Mark. Uh, again, Ozzy, Mark, uh, Dave, I appreciate everybody being around. And um, I hopefully I'll speak to you guys again soon. But uh, what's your next event coming up? What's the next event coming we have the 2014 BCAPL Southwest Regional. Oh, that, that's in my neighborhood. Scottsdale, Arizona. If you're going to be there, I'll see you there. In fact, Fort McDowell uh, won't just be there in an admin role. I think I'm going to play in that event. Yeah. Uh, come on, don't bring down the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stick to walking around, have a no pads, you know, something like that. You'd be fine. I'm planning on winning the winner's bracket and then withdrawing. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully I'm uh, second in the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, I hopefully everybody got information that they needed. And that is it for the Legends and Champions report. Uh, you know, it's always going to be confusing when you try and host an event that has thousands of people and decisions that have to be made at the last minute. Hopefully it puts some clarity to everything. I know there's some missing pieces that we didn't quite get, but that's because we don't have the missing pieces to talk to. So till next week. Thank you all for listening. This is Mark Kentrell, the Legends and Champions Report on American Billions Radio. Another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room here on American Billiard Radio. Today I am talking to Ken Hoshida down at the Golden Q in South El Monte, California. How you doing, Ken? Great. Thank you for uh, uh, talking to me, Marianne. Yeah, no problem. Happy to uh, happy to get you on the phone today. So uh, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about the Golden Q? 
Well, uh, the Golden Q, um, as you said, is uh, located in South Almonte. We're near the uh, 60 and 10 freeways just off the 605. Uh, I have 10 9-foot gold crowns with uh, Simonis 860HR. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, eight 7-foot bar tables and two Brunswick uh, 6x12 snooker uh, slash golf tables. Yes, I saw those tables. They're beautiful. I wish I uh, I wish I knew how to play snooker a little better. Those pockets kick my butt though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, do you guys have any tournaments or anything that you're offering down there? Yeah. On uh, Wednesday and Sunday evenings, we have uh, handicap nine ball tournaments, and uh, the first Saturday oh not the first the third Saturday of every month um, we're running a uh, one pocket tournament. All right. Uh, how about any leagues or anything? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, we're like the headquarters for the APA, uh, the San Gabriel branch. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have eight and nine ball leagues uh, almost every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So um, if anybody out awesome. there is interested in a league, we've got, we've got uh, everything going on at uh, the Golden Cube. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like you got every day covered. Um, any? Do you have any special events or anything coming up in the near future? Uh, no, no major events. Uh, we're thinking about rearranging the room right now to accommodate a better um, uh, a flow uh, between the tables and you know for the customers' convenience. Uh, mm -hmm. So I didn't want to hold any um, major events this year. Uh, Mez was talking to me about Mez Tour. Uh, you know, Oscar and uh, yeah. David. And also Andy Cloth, uh, who um, Rodney and Morris was talking to me. But I think I'll have to hold off until maybe next year because uh, to relocate all the tables, especially the um, snooker tables, is going to be a major undertaking. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that it's not easy to move around. <laughs> I'll try and tackle, you know, those, uh, those events for 2015. All right, sounds good. Let's see. I did want to mention that uh, we always offer ladies uh, free pool all day on Monday and Wednesdays. So the ladies are interested in getting their practice time in. Monday and Wednesdays they can play from open till close. So that's noon till hey. 2 a.m. You know? That's a lot of free pool. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to have to make my way out there. You're a little far from me. Otherwise, you'd probably see me every Monday. That'd be good. <laughs> Happy to see you. All right. All right, ladies. So make sure uh, you you head down to the Golden Q in South El Monte on a Monday or Wednesday and get all the table time you can get, right? There you go. All right, Ken. Well, why don't you remind everybody one more time where you're located and how everybody can get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, we're the Golden Q. Uh, the address is 1953 North Durfee Avenue. That's in South El Monte, California. So 626-575-4811 or 626-575-4821. And uh, we hope to see you guys soon. All right. Sounds good, Ken. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you get going. But uh, I sure appreciate you getting on the phone and letting our listeners know a little bit more about the Golden Queue. Well, fantastic. I appreciate the call and the inquiry, Marianne. All right.
thanks guys for listening and join us next time here on American Billiard Radio for another Go Playful app feature during of the week. Welcome to Q-Talk on American Billiards Radio. This is your host, Ricky Bryant. Our segment, we talk with Q-makers, Q-manufacturers, and Q-mechanics. And today, I have David Jacoby of Jacoby Custom Qs with me. Afternoon, Dave. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good afternoon. Uh, where, where is Jacoby Custom Qs located? Okay, Jacoby Custom Cues is located in a little town in central Wisconsin, uh, Nakusa, Wisconsin, right on the Wisconsin River. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, I met you when you were the president of the American Cuemakers Association. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that and, and background on the association. Uh, the American Cuemakers Association is an association uh, with the Cuemakers that was started back in the early 90s. Uh, was an idea that was uh, conceived by Leonard Budworth and Billy Stroud. And uh, they're the two that actually uh, came up with the idea and helped get it going. And as it progressed, Leonard Budworth was uh, one of the early presidents that did the lake work and really got it off the ground after that. And uh, through the years, I became a a member of the board. And uh, after a while, I served as vice president and then later on uh, for president for the past 16 years. And now uh, uh, Jerry Olivier was vice president. We have stepped down, and uh, Mike Capone and uh, Andy Gilbert are now the president and vice president. And y'all have a uh, special awards dinner at the Super Billiards Expo every year. And uh, tell us a little bit about how that started and and the the awards and things that are given out there. Uh, The awards dinner at the uh, Expo was actually... uh, uh, Dan Dishaw, he was the actually uh, the president at that time, and he's the one that uh, came up with that idea and uh, got it started, and it's been uh, going ever since. And at this banquet, we give the award for the uh, uh, when we have it, the Hall of Fame, Kingmaker Hall of Fame inductee at different times, uh, and annually we have the. Uh, Q-Maker of the Year Award for the ACA and also the uh, People's Choice Q of the Year Award uh, at that. And it's uh, an invitation uh, event, which is uh, a lot of the collectors, Q-Makers, the press, things like that are there, all the Q-Makers, yeah. And to enter the People's Choice Award or to be a member of the American Q-Makers Association, you've got to be an American Q-maker, and what are the other criteria? Uh, you, you have to have uh, your cues totally made in, in America. Uh, you have to submit a cue to the board for inspection, and you also have to have uh, business references. Because to become a uh, member of the American Q-makers Association, you don't have to be a very talented cue uh, artist or craftsman. Uh, you also have to have very good uh, business uh, ethics and credentials. About about how many members does the association have? Do you know. Uh, right now, I believe there's uh, around 40 members, cue makers. Uh, 
I think there's uh, eight to ten merchandising members, which are uh, members that support the association that uh, have their products made in the states. And uh, yeah, so totally, there's about about 50 members. And so, any member for the People's Choice Award, they would build their what they think is going to be the prettiest and the most spectacular queue, and then it's submitted and put on display at Super Billiards, and the people coming through the expo can stop and pick up a, a voting ballot and vote on what they think is the, the prettiest queue. Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, this was started uh, when Jerry Olivia and I uh, became uh, president and vice president and uh, actually was presented to us by Dale Perry. Uh, through the years we had tried different things and they didn't seem to fly and then uh, Dale Perry came to us and, and says, well let's try this. And uh, it seems to work real well. It's, it's a real draw for for the area for us, and uh, it gives the uh, queue makers a chance to show their dis uh, their finest work. Yeah, I've seen some really beautiful queues there, and I know they all hit good from from the guys that make them. Because uh, the majority of the guys have been players at some point in time as well. Uh, generally, that's how you get into the queue making. If you're not interested in pool, uh, you're you're probably not a queue maker. <laughs> And uh, your son has won or been in the in the uh, final three on the on this award a number of years. Uh, yeah, actually, of the six uh, years that it's ran, uh, yeah, he's won the award twice and been runner-up four times. And uh, every year uh, he comes up with an idea, and the queue that we build is a theme queue, what we call. And, uh, so we've got several several different themes through the year. Uh, next year. We have the idea, but uh, I'm not going to give it out yet. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, the um, when we say custom cues, I know that you also have a line of somewhat production cues that you you have as well. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, we do a lot of one of a kind cues, uh, and then we also have like what we call little lines where we make a lot of the same cue and. Uh, so that's so we do several different things. Plus, we do a lot of uh, custom work where people send us designs. We work with them with their designs, and uh, probably thirty percent of what we do is is the custom work with working with different customers to get their the queue of their dream, I guess. But typically, if you're getting a custom queue from you guys, about uh, get it in queue, or get the order placed, and how long do you usually just as an average? I know it depends on how. Yeah, on the average right now, we've been quoting 20, 24 weeks, sometimes 16, depending on the design. But yeah, you're looking at at least five, six months by the time it's completed. How big's the uh, operation, the shop you have? Uh, our shop is 5,000 square feet. Uh, part of it is showroom. Uh, and the rest is the shop in the back. And then I have an upper level where we have our inlay room and our uh, spray booth. And you have about how many people working for you? Uh, right now there's, I believe there's 12 in the uh, shop and there's uh, four in the office and then we have a couple part-time people. Well, I know you always have a, a good crew when you're out at the shows and you pretty well show, I think, probably more than I see most of the other uh, queue makers. I see you at Super Billiards. I know you're at the BCA PL show. You're at the BCA trade show. You're usually at the APA show. 
and uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of the, the larger Midwest tournaments with your location that y'all probably uh, set up as well. Yeah, we get around uh, to a lot of tournaments, and uh, right now I have, uh, uh, and through the years I've had, uh, I guess, the advantage of having some really good uh, people working in the shop for me. And several of the guys that work in the shop are trained machinists is what you really need to get a quality product out. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of things, but the, to really stay on top of things, we like to get out and be seen and show everybody what we can do. And and Brandon is the only family member working with you? or? Uh, no, through the years I think all my nieces and nephews have worked for me at one time when they graduated from high school and helped them out until they get to college. and. And uh, I have a nephew that works with me, and and um, my cousin, uh, his daughter works for me, Abby. And uh, so we have quite a few family members, and most of them that that do work are uh, we've known them, or their friends, or, or and we've a few people are brought in for that do the shows with you. I know uh, little Joe does does his uh, teaching at your booth and shoots with your cues and uh, and I've seen Gracie working with you guys as well. Oh yeah, little, little Joe, he was a role player all his life and now he uh, gives instruction and and uh, he's quite a guy, he's a little little sweetheart I guess. <laughs> and uh, we get along really great and he's a great addition. Gracie, she's a go-getter, she's into the, to the raffling thing and she's the, known as the queen of the raffles I guess. And, it's always a good crew and always always you can tell you are having fun at the shows well david we mentioned earlier that most cue makers started out as players and wanted to make their own cue is that the way you started yeah years ago i used to play a lot of pool and uh, there was a guy in town his nickname was big ears and uh, i guess he was an old player and uh, he did all the tips for the players in town and uh, after he passed away, his wife called me one day and, and said that, uh, Dave, that now that Big Ears is gone, there's nobody in town to put tips on for the, for the players. She said, would you like to try it? And I said, well, I don't know. And she said, well, I'll give you all this equipment if, if you like to. And I thought, well, I'll try it. Well, his uh, equipment consisted of a tube of glue, a rubber band, and uh, a little sandpaper and a box of tips. And that's how I got started. I'm sure you thought you were going to get a lathe in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, so I started with repairs, and then I started selling Viking cues. And uh, Gordy Hart called me one day and, and said, "Dave, he says uh, I got my first lathe. He says that I ever had. He said I'd like to sell it. He says I know you do repairs. He says and uh, maybe you'd be interested. So I thought, well, yeah. So I went down and I bought it. It was just a simple lathe, simple machine, and. One thing led to another, and like everybody else, first with the hustlers and the simple stuff, and a lot of firewood, the first cues the wife used for fire pokers, and, <laughs> and it just went from there. Well, out of all the cues you've made, do you have one that you remember you think was the prettiest or the nicest out of what you've made? Uh, I think the one that stands out the most for me is probably the uh, Vietnam cue that I made for uh, Keith Walton. Uh, we had commissioned it, and, and uh, being over there, I, th I think it was something that was kind of special, and I know it was special to Keith, too, so. I've been, I don't know that I've gotten to see a picture of that one, but I know that some of the ones I've seen between you and Brandon are just absolutely beautiful. Now, y'all have also gotten, how long have you had the 
low deflection shaft, the, the edge hybrid that y'all make? Uh, that's been about five, six years now. And we had experimented with different things, Brandon and I, and with the different coring, all impregnated wood, all different things. And then uh, this is, uh, Brandon actually came up with that. And uh, once we had tried it, and, uh, it just kind of took off from there. And what we did is uh, some of the local players, we gave it to them and seen how, how they liked it. And, and from there, we were getting so many orders for it that we never really went public uh, with it until the last few years until we actually had a setup where we could keep up with the demand. I know it took me about three shows before I could finally get one in my case because you kept selling out and selling out. And so the, finally at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, I said, before we start, get one and I want it in my case now before you sell out because it does seem to be a hot item. Now, the other item that, that I feel like from a player standpoint, and uh, I am just an amateur player, but uh, that Jacoby's known for the beautiful cues, the low deflection shafts, but also known for your jump cues. Yeah, the, the jump cue was a design that, uh, uh, actually the basic design came up from a fellow up in Eau Claire that we were working with, and it just kind of, relationship fell apart but then we developed it from there and, and developed it into what it is now well, I know even Brandon even has has videos online explaining how to jump and if you go by the booth and 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 Brandon or any of the guys are there they'll give you a jump lesson and uh, it really jumps a ton now I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit or not but y'all made a uh, special jump shaft for me that goes on my shooting butt and you were looking at whether to you wanted to market those or not uh yeah that's something i believe we're going to come out with because it, it is a hot item and it does make jumping so super easy it's oh, everybody i've everybody i've shown it to and they've hit and they like this is magic and it and i right now i know we're calling it the stubby it's a 12 inch shaft with uh what the j is it j10 uh, it's a, uh, a G10 material. G10, G10 material, yeah. yeah. And uh, you pull that out, and put it on, put it on a on butt, and I can, I can jump better with that than anything else I've ever jumped with. And it, it really, and you don't. It's almost like with the weight of the shooting butt, it, it almost does the work for you. Just you don't have to put a whole lot of wrist and elbow into it. So yeah. it's really, really a nice addition. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty slick item. Well, got to do some sponsoring, and I know before we started our discussion, we were talking about the, uh, the juniors and that you are starting to sponsor some juniors. You've got uh, some players that are playing with your cues. Kind of give me a rundown of, of who's out there. Uh, right now we have uh, – we, we don't sponsor a whole lot of players, but we do uh, – Melissa Little has been with us for years. She's a sweetheart. She's a really go-getter. Uh, and she does a lot with the juniors also. That's probably one of the reasons that we, we love her so much is, is her hard work and her dedication. And we're actually making a line for, of cues for her right now, which is really good. Uh, we've made Jeanette Lee's cue for years, uh, Corey Duell's cues for years. Uh, Chris Suter, he's a pro. He owns Fiddlesticks in uh, Canton, Ohio excellent player uh, and through the years there's been other ones that come and go and we're just starting to get into the to the juniors but uh, one of the qualifications that that we're 
really demanding on is uh, we have to see the report cards before we do anything first. So, so if any of you guys, uh, young players, are coming up and you're interested in it, uh, keep your education first, and you'll do well. Absolutely. And when we mentioned queue repair work, I know at some shows I'll see y'all have a second booth set up where you're doing uh, repairs, tips, and, and, and extra work. Yeah, we have uh, Shane uh, Walker. Uh, he's been with me for 20 years now. Uh, you might as well say he's one of the family. He's like one of my one of my kids, and he's really excellent at what he does, Tim. And, uh, yeah, we have uh, the repair booth, Brandon. And, uh, and this is how we get out, and we kind of keep a, our finger on what's going on in the industry, what's what's that. And that's how we come up with a lot of our products, and we see the demands and what, what we need to do. Is there... A warranty on the shafts or cues or anything? Uh, yes, we have a, a lifetime warranty on all our shafts, all the products that we make uh, to the first owner, to the original owners, and uh, this uh, includes uh, anything that has anything to do with craftsmanship or the, the making of the cue or things like that, if a ferrule cracks, a joint cracks, things like that. Uh, abuse we don't cover that I don't think anybody can. And, uh, Warpage, we take that pretty much on a case-to-case -case basis. If, if you sell someone a product and, and a month later it comes back and it's all warped, absolutely, you're going to take care of it. But 10 years down the line and it's all beat to heck, and, yeah, it's pretty hard to or the justify guys, that. The guys had it locked in the trunk of his car <laughs> right, with yeah. the spare tire laid on it. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to keep from warping. Yeah, and pretty much I've been around for over 30 years, and you can tell what's, what's what now, and it's like. Well, is there anything else new coming out that uh, that you can talk about? I know I know you, you don't release anything to till you're ready. And no, we're uh, well. Yeah, actually, we have a couple of different things, but I'm not going to go into that yet okay. until we get it developed. And uh, for the uh, queue showing in uh, Valley Forge, yeah, we're always looking at that. And the yeah. show has moved again to. Uh, we're going to be back in April instead of March. Yeah, and I talked with uh, Alan uh, Hopkins, and yeah, there was reasons for that, and, and I think it's a good move. To, well, I, to I think so, it. too. Yeah. I know from having been out here, I like April a little better than yeah. March because of the weather when we have to, unfortunately, we, we can't seem to find a venue that has a hotel attached anymore, so you have to get in and out. Yeah. And uh, that, that's a great event, and it's actually, uh, uh, you know, you talk to trade show and things like that, it's actually a mini trade show that's really, really on top of the industry right now, and it's a great, super great event. Now, does the Q-Makers between that show, do the Q-Makers have any other just Q-Maker shows that... No, that's pretty much our, our, our showing is the, the Q-Makers, the ACA, the Q-Makers is at the Valley Forge, and that's when we all get together. We have our annual meetings, and uh, we have our, our uh, banquet where we do our awards for the year and, and things like that, so it's a great event. And I know I've seen the camaraderie. You know, you're, you're there competing, but I've seen you guys share stuff with each other, and, and I've heard the, the tales of guys helping each other out, and guys being on the road doing trade shows and somebody steals their equipment and somebody pops up and says, I'll loan you a lathe till you get yours back. Uh, that's one of the great things about the ACA. And you're right, in, in a way you're all competitors, but we're all friends. I think I know 
pretty much all the prominent cue makers in the country and the guys, and we all get along great. And it's it's like here, there's several cue makers here, and we all know each other. We all help each other. And it's all it's all a family deal in pool, and the more we do that, the more we can grow the sport, and I I think that's important. Well. I think we'll wrap this up. I've uh, appreciated talking with you today, and I look forward down the road to uh, doing another interview and doing it with, uh, with Brandon and get his perspective and possibly do that out at Super Billiards next year right after he wins with, with whatever the view Q design is. <laughs> He's going to give it a good shot. Well, thank you for being with me today, David. All right. Thank you. <laughs> And that wraps up another session of Q Talk on American Beards Radio, where we talk with Q makers, Q manufacturers, and Q mechanics. And I'm your host, Ricky Bryant. Hope to see you on our next session. Oh, I started out believing the universe was space, that all the solid objects were founded in full. I started out believing that earthworms could not crawl, that music plays, that donkey brays, dogs have days, horse has nays, and everyone has a ball. But it's dovetail, gooey, gooey, stringy, chewy, mushy kind of ball. Rap, flap, tap, sap, constantly moving, ever oozing.